Welcome to the First Baptist Church Podcast. We're excited to share this weekend's conversation with you from Pastor Jerry Hendricks. If you would like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or go to fbcsweetwater.org. Well, how's your binge watching go? Are you, are you, watch, are you binge watching television? I've shared with you, I've actually confessed that I'm a bit of a, a television addict and most of that revolves around sports and since sports uh, hasn't been on for uh, months now. Uh, we have, you know, we've, we've worked with it. Sharon and I have found uh, a couple of shows that we can agree on. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're binge watching. We're powering through and hopefully we'll finish with one, another series before school starts. But uh, one of the things, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, I was in Abilene doing my laundry and the kids have DVR'd some shows that, that we don't normally watch. And uh, so Sarah was scrolling through, and we were watching a, a series called Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Gordon Ramsay. He's a chef. Uh, he was born in Scotland. Uh, most of his restaurants are in England and uh, uh, around the London area, I think. And so uh, he's pretty famous. Uh, he's uh, done, done several shows, uh, cooking shows. Uh, it's uh, at least PG-13, I'll just tell you that. They do bleep a lot of stuff, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting show because what he's doing on Uncharted is he's going into uh, different places, uh, coming in, and then he's meeting with a renowned chef in that area, and then they take him to different places so that he discovers sort of the country or the, the, that part of the country, and then he puts together a meal himself through all these weird things, and he uh, feeds uh, a group that that chef uh, invites to that dinner. Well, the one that I watched that I found particularly interesting was Uncharted in Alaska. It was actually the panhandle of Alaska, which is the remotest part of Alaska. And I believe it's season one, episode six, if you care to check that out. And uh, in that episode, there's one part where... uh, he, he will meet up with different people that the chef will introduce him to, and then they will help him uh, either hunt or fish or discover something that's going to contribute to this overall meal that he presents at the end of the show. And so they were going to, he was going to meet this guy, and they were going to get some tea. And the, na- the name of the tea is Old Man's Beard, and that's because the, that's what it looks like as it hangs down from a tree. Now, they had told him that there was only one place to get this in Alaska. And so it starts with him getting on a boat and going across uh, the water there to get to this place, and they refer to it as a cliff, but it's basically just a rock, a narrow rock that rises straight up into the air 60 feet, and at the very top, are two or three trees with this mossy stuff hanging down that they're going to drink as tea. So as he gets there, what he learns is he's going to have to climb the side of that rock 60 feet straight up. Extend your right, you, you hold the grip. I've never done this, but I watched this several times. You hold the grip, you extend your hand, right hand up as far as you can, and then you push with your left leg, and then you let your right, right hand rise as quickly as possible. I was watching that, and I told the kids, I go, the difficult thing is, is that you're not even having to balance one leg to the X. It's the left leg all the way up, 60 feet. When they got about 40, 45, or I guess it was about 40, 45 feet up, uh, they're in, uh, it's in the middle of winter in Alaska, 
it is snowing and the snow is coming in sideways. It's bitter cold. And they're climbing up this thing to drink some hot tea. Uncharted. As they get about 40 feet up, the guy, the young guy that's, that's, that's trekking with him up the side of this cliff, or this rock, says, hey, he said, don't look up. He said, look down. Look out. Because when you're making a climb like this, you want to see and be aware of where you are. I think there's a possibility as we experience abundant life that we catch ourselves looking forward too often when we should be enjoying the promises that God has given us where we are. I'm guilty of this. I know there's hardly a time in my life or an experience that I have in my life that I don't begin to start thinking and framing the question in my mind, what's next? It seems like every time that I accomplish something, I cannot celebrate it long enough before I go, okay, what are we going to do next? If we're going to understand, I believe, more completely what the abundant life is about, we are going to have to enjoy the place where God has us. That's not easy. Uh, sometimes it comes with, with difficulties, and, and we probably understand that, but we do need that time where we can just focus on what God is doing without always pressing in or, or pressing against maybe what we think ought to be happening. Rather, just finding ourselves in a place where we can be present with God. Today's story is uh, from the life of Moses, and his life is another one of those who we see throughout his lifetime, a, a multitude of experiences. And we have more, we know more about him and his story and the development of God's unique relationship with the Israelites uh, during his life than maybe anywhere else in, in the Bible. And it, it gives us just a lot of information about who he is and about his life. The text that I want to read this morning comes at the end of his life. Now, I want to say, before I read that text and before I go on, I don't want us to mistakenly believe that we can only do an abundant life reflection towards the end of our life. In fact, I believe that the earlier and more frequently that as believers and followers, disciples of Jesus, that we take the opportunity to reflect on, on our relationship and God and what God's doing in us, God, what God wants to do in us. I think we, we owe it in, to our relationship to God to do it consistently. But certainly there's going to be those times that we have when we can pause and we do reflect and we do look back we look out and we can see the things that God has done. This passage is in Deuteronomy, it's chapter 32. And he's uh, preparing uh, for the end of his life, or God is preparing him for the end of his life. It says in, verse, in chapter 32, verse 48, it says, On that same day the Lord told Moses, Go up into the Abram range to Mount Nebo in Moab, across from Jericho, and view Canaan. 
the land I'm giving to the Israelites as their own possessions. There on the mountain you will have climbed, you will die and gather and be gathered to your people, just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin, and because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. Therefore, you will not see the land. You will see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I'm giving to the people of Israel. An abundant life, I believe, is a reflective life. I think we see here in the life of Moses, we can capture a moment where he's reflecting on all that's gone past in his life. There have been high moments and there have been difficult moments. When you look at his life, we understand how God brought him to a place and called him and gave him this, this awesome responsibility as he would begin to frame what the, the people of God would, would look like, what they would become. Moses was born at a time when the Israelites were oppressed and enslaved to Egypt. And even in that enslavement, they were having, uh, there were, the, their, their numbers were growing, and there was fear that they would eventually, because of their growing numbers, overpower the Egyptians. And so Pharaoh made a declaration that for every boy child born, they were to be killed. Moses' mother gave birth to him, hid him for a few months, and then he ended up growing up in Pharaoh's home. Not long after, as we follow his story, we see that eventually he comes to that place where he sees something and he reacts and he, he kills an Egyptian who was, was trying to bring harm to a Hebrew and he, he buried him in the sand. And then when trying to break up another fight between two Israelites, they call him out on his actions and he flees for his life. Pharaoh is out to kill him. He goes off and finds God in another way, in another place. And God speaks to him and begins to lay out the plan for his life. He gives him a promise. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that promises, I believe, are a part of our life. They're, they come to us, I believe, in a couple of ways. In this way, in, in Moses' life, God initiated the promise in his life. I think there are times in our faith life, as we walk with God, as we understand God's work in our life, I believe that there are promises that we ask God for. I think those are two ways that God works in our life in regard to promise. But we have this promise that we see this promise in Moses' life that God has given him, that he's going to go back to Pharaoh and he's going to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And he goes back. Pharaoh resists, there's plagues, and ultimately the Egyptians release them and let them go. There's several things, I'm fast-forwarding through the story, there's several things that happen along the way that we can capture as a part of Moses' life and we see that they had to have been defining moments for him. There were a lot of moments in his life where he was frustrated because the Israelites were frustrated with him. 
They had a hard time picturing their future being better than what their past was. They had a hard time picturing freedom as God's chosen people as opposed to just living in slavery and having everything done for you. As Moses progresses with the people, they grumble, they complain, but he continues to pursue the promise. There was this time where they were thirsty and they were angry again and they bring it up again. One more time they bring it up, how they would have been better to have stayed in Egypt. And he and his brother Aaron consult God. And God says, go to the rock, go to this rock and speak to the rock and water will come forward, come forth. Well, we know, if you know the story, he spoke and then he struck it twice with his staff and that staff had played an important role in his life that's not what God had asked him to do when he says in this verse that we just read that you broke you and Aaron broke faithfulness with me that's what he's talking about that one moment you imagine the moments in your life where maybe You stepped out of bounds on something that God asked for you to do. Or maybe you you stepped into disobedience on something in your life. Or maybe there's a sin that would stand out. And God would say, the course of your future has changed because of that action. That's not clear at the time that this happened, but we see over time that that is what happened. And so now he comes to the end of his life. So close that he could see it. But God wouldn't allow him to go in. When we look at our life, I believe reflection is important for us to get in touch with God in the way that God has shaped our life and the way that God is shaping our life. I've had the opportunity, like many of you, to spend more time in reflection over the last few months and probably at certain points too much time in reflection because I am a person who can can move into that space and and experience in my life a closeness to God and, and, and I believe even spiritual growth through that. But it's a reminder, I believe, to us that Sometimes these times are not created for us. And under other circumstances, we would need to carve out that time for ourselves. So I believe that we ought to spend time, what I'm saying, in understanding the abundant life. We ought to spend time in reflection. Sometimes that comes in solitude. Sometimes that comes in just taking some time away. But it's, it's finding that place in your life, in your, in your rhythm, where, where you can breathe. I know in a normal year, I look at the calendar year in terms of ministry into three seasons. Fall, spring, and summer. And mostly it revolves around a school year, which is really our more natural calendar. We can say we have four seasons, and uh, that's something different than the seasons that we really just live in and we flow through. And so in experiencing that, I look for in those seasons, those moments where I know that I can spend some extended reflective time. My hope is that 
you would find some of that time. You would carve some of that time out for yourself. You don't have to do it when you're 20 foot up or 40 foot up or when you get to the top of, the, of a cliff, of, of that uh, figurative cliff in your life. You can do it at any time. But I believe it's something that helps us to get in touch with all God is doing in us. The uh, abundant life blesses the next movement of God. I, I like what, what the, the picture that we have here, and I, I love the story of Joshua and the transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua. And that's a beautiful story. We talked about Joshua not long ago, and the, but it's, it's beautiful to see what God does through Moses' life as they transition into these next, step, next steps of leadership and next steps of promise, these next steps of faith that the people of Israel are going to take. If you back up just a bit in those verses, in chapter 32, verse 41, it says that Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and spoke all these words of this song. Uh, this previous chapter is a poem that Moses had, uh, had written and spoken to the people as he had approached this time in his life. And when Moses had finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I've solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. Now, I thought about that. You think about those words. It's, and it's easy you know, to take sound bites out of something, something that, that, that people say. We see a lot of that in our world today. But if you take out that sound bite right there, I think that may have spoken deeper into the life of those Israelites than anything else that he was saying right here. Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of his law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing, to the crossing the Jordan, to possess. I think that is putting us on notice for the abundant life. I think that's calling to attention, calling attention for us to something that is so significant in our life. As we experience this abundant life together. We want to be prepared for the next movement of God. And the best way that we can prepare is by living the best life that we can right now. The abundant life is a grateful life. I, I, we, this last week, I did some uh, reflection on what we had been saying about the different characters and uh, called to attention some of the characteristics. They're on your outline there uh, that we see in the other people that we've talked about. And that we see in faith life. Those characteristics are perseverance, selflessness, hearing God, risking, and courage. These are some of the things that we've talked about the last uh, four weeks about this abundant life. And there are characteristics that are identified in people as they live this abundant life in the presence of others. This last week I finished a book uh, that I'd picked up. Uh, just sort of an impulse buy while I was strolling through the bookstore. And it was a story about uh, some interviews uh, with social entrepreneurs. And there are people who intentionally have learned uh, to develop business for themselves, but also with the intent of being able to help others. 
it was interesting as I read one story after another. First of all, all of these people that I read about came from nothing, as they would say. They came from difficult circumstances. They came from uh, more than modest homes. Uh, many of their parents were working multiple jobs uh, so that they could just put food on the table. And so these people had, by all practical sense, had arrived and become uh, uh, successful in some line of business that had been, uh, they had found their way or their niche into. And now their intent is to move that back and, help, and to help others. One of the consistent characteristics of the people that I read about was gratefulness. They talked about, many of them, had this reflective practice of the first thing they do every morning is focus on the things that they're thankful for. They start the day thinking about the way that God has provided and they give thanks for that. So they find in their life all that has happened to bring them to the place where they can help others. And the thing that stands out most is their willingness to be grateful and to live a thankful life. Sometimes we might find ourselves moving into a pattern where we're always grasping for something that's not yet. Or something that's ahead of us. Or maybe we've found ourselves in some uh, a cycle of, of being defeated and, and troubled and struggle. And so thankfulness is not always the easiest thing to focus a life on. But when we are able to put ourselves in front of God and begin to thank God for the things that He's doing, and we get very specific. God opens our eyes to things that we had not really thought about before. God moves us into a whole new place because we're willing to reflect with thankfulness on God's provision. Ultimately, the abundant life is a well-lived life. Now, I believe that authenticity and is an important part of that. Because we don't want, we're not, a, we're a, the, the goal of, of living abundantly is to not to find a pedestal and to set someone on it or to find a way to set ourselves on it. But rather, it's to recognize that through living life well and learning to honor God with our life and our activity, we do come to a place, and maybe that, that place ought to be at any point in our life where we can pause and we can look backward and we can reflect and find our life on a good track and a good relationship with God. Bearing fruit, understanding our responsibility in making a difference in the world that God has placed us in a time that God has placed us. Two things, I think, tend to trip us up in understanding and experiencing this life well lived. One is regrets. It's interesting to read the story of Moses, and I would encourage you to take a look at it this week. It's, it's, a, it's a very beautiful story. It's a troubling story at the same time. But we never capture, even though there was, it was times of tension and frustration with, with trying to lead a people that weren't willing to go where you felt like God was directing you. You never hear Moses 
have a tone of regret. You know, it's not too late to establish for ourselves a regret-free attitude. It's not too late to turn a corner or to set a course for our life where we, we, we want to live our life well enough that we are not going to do something that we might later regret. When you read the story of Moses and, and Aaron at this rock that God was going to bring water from and provide for the people, you don't, you don't have a follow-up conversation. There's, there's not written in Scripture Moses' thoughts as he walked away from there. So there's only speculation that people have had, commentators, others, if they, as they've studied that passage, what they thought Moses might have felt like. What we do know is that he came to that place frustrated. And he acted along with some instruction with God in his own way. I can't help but wonder, as he's looking at Canaan, the land that God had promised them, that he had suffered to get to, that he had done so much and, and held up so well for so many times to get to that place and then be reminded that this is the place I will let you see but you will not go in. In fact, you're going to be buried in view of this land that I've promised. I don't know if he had regrets. But certainly, we live in a time where we ought to know that God's forgiveness works in our life to erase those regrets that we might have experienced. The other thing is that sometimes the thing that will derail us are just unfinished opportunities. I know I can place myself in this camp. There's not a lot of, that in my life I feel like that I regret, but there are so many things. And I'm reminded occasionally of those things that were just unfinished opportunities. We just didn't uh, seal the deal or we didn't, we didn't finish the course. Those are similar things, I believe, that will trip up and derail a well-lived, abundant life. Here's the reality that there will come a time when the well-lived life comes to an end. And here's my encouragement to you. Don't wait until the end to reflect on the goodness of God in your life. Go and reflect. See that God is good.